Good morning. Welcome to Woodburn Baptist Church. My name is Tim Harris. I am the pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. For many of you, I am your pastor, and uh, that makes me the luckiest man to be alive. I love you so much. I miss you so much. I don't even know how long it's been anymore. This is my fifth sermon in the series Exit Right, going verse by verse through the book of Exodus. So there have been five of those, and I started out in the Gospel of Luke, you guys. I mean, it's been forever, and, uh, and it's, taken its toll on, it's taken its toll on all of us, y'all. The other day, now don't be alarmed, I think it's going to be okay, but the other day we were in staff meeting, uh, Zoom conference, video conference. We weren't in the same room. We were all distancing, and so we'd had a really good staff meeting, and at the end of the staff meeting, I did what I always do because it's just me. Everybody's not like me. I understand that, but I just said, love you guys because I love those guys. I love our staff. I love our team. I love Rod, and I love Jason and Nicole and Michelle and Warren. I love those guys. So I said, love you guys, but I don't really ever expect, you know, a love you back. I don't ever get a love you back, but it's okay. I, I know they love me. I know they all love me, but that, the other day I said, love you guys, and I heard like coming across, like across the internet, Warren Weeks' voice say, love you too. Look, it's Warren. Yeah, I called 911, like right there on the spot. Like I could, because that, that dude must have a fever, high fever, something. I mean, that is just not, I mean, we, we weren't in the same room, so it was probably good because he'd have hugged me. I don't know what came over Warren at all. But I mean, we've worked together like 14 years. We are not really on a love you too kind of basis. That's never been the way we've related. I know he loves me, but you know, you know, that's not our love language. But I mean, I'm just saying this has got to end soon but because I'm, I'm worried for Warren and, and, and a lot of the rest of you. It's, it's tough. Is it not just really, really tough? It, it is. Um, but it is somewhat easier because we are able to meet like this in moments like this, as a church family, as a body of Christ, and in the Word of God. And today, we have an amazing scripture to read together. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14, verse 5. We are about to cross the Red Sea. Yes, we are. Exodus chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 5. Now, let me uh, go over a couple of things with you. Remember what we said the other week. I, I said that evil never gives up without a fight. Evil never gives up without a fight. Now, I understand that in a lot of your lives, you don't necessarily think of yourself as being in a fight with evil. You just think you're in a fight with your ex-wife, or you think that you're in some kind of fight with your children, or some sort of fight with, with, with your body over your health, or some sort of fight with, with whatever. It, it, it always seems like there's something going wrong. It always seems like you're opposed, but you're not always very good at identifying the enemy. You know, the scripture says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We have a spiritual enemy me. Understand that. And evil never, ever gives up without a fight. So at that very moment, at that very moment, when you are just this close to victory, I'm telling you, evil will come roaring at you. So let me add one more truth to this principle to prepare you to cross the Red Sea with me. Evil looks most like it may win right before it loses. You really need to know this. You really need to know this. Evil looks most like it may win right before it loses. What I'm saying is right there at that moment, just before evil is crushed under the foot of Jesus, that's when evil yells louder, lies bigger, understand, looks uglier. 
That's when all of a sudden evil comes at you with all that it has because it's all in, because it understands that in this moment it's going down. So the game there is to somehow come at you and intimidate you, to neutralize you, to make you give up. Because if you will give up, you know, six inches from victory, guess what? You still lose. You still lose. So evil, again, the devil's not really smart at all. He's only got a few tricks, and they have not changed since the beginning of time. And this is a principle you need to understand. It's always going to look like evil is, is, is right about to win right before it loses. Right before it loses. And that brings us to the shoreline of the Red Sea. The children of Israel are, are right here. They can see freedom. They can smell the promised land. They are this close, this close to complete deliverance. And it is at that moment that evil, understand, does not give up without one more fight. And it's at that moment when it may begin to look like evil is about to win, but evil is about to lose. This is important because in your life you do this. In your life you give up too soon. In your life you give up six inches from victory. And I'm telling you, read this scripture with me. Hear this message today because you are this close, this close to everything you've been praying for. Do not give up. Don't give up now. You with me? Exodus chapter 14, verse 5. I'm going to read a good bit of scripture. You'll know I'm done when we get to the other side of the Red Sea. How's that? Exodus chapter 14, verse 5. Read with me. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they camped beside the shore near Pi-Hahirath across from Baal-Zephon. I say those really fast so you think I know how to pronounce them. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Are you serious? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Actually, no, they didn't, but let's go on. We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Is it though? But let's continue. Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. 
and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water. With a strong east wind, the wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. I love that. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them and against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, you get that's a new day. As the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. And the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Back up with me to verse 13. Moses told the people, don't be afraid, stand still. Watch the Lord rescue you today. Stay calm. <laughs> it's always kind of funny when somebody tells you not to be afraid. It's a little late for that, let's just be honest. It's a little late to say don't be afraid because I think we all understand this is a frightening situation. Now, there are uh, literally two million uh, Israelites now standing on the shoreline of the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his army rushing in behind. Do you understand? They are literally at a dead end. This is as far as the road goes. You understand? They are standing at the sea. There is no way to go forward and now no way to go backward. Uh, literally standing between the devil and the deep blue sea, as they say. And Moses steps out and says, don't be afraid. How in the world can you not feel fear? 
How, how can you not feel fear? How can Moses say fear not? Because I'm telling you, this is a frightening situation. They had thought that they were going into the promised land. They had imagined that they were about to be delivered. They can smell the freedom. But now Pharaoh is back. Pharaoh is there. And Pharaoh has come with an amazing show of force. You know, when this story begins in verse 5, it is obvious that Pharaoh is about to put on a show. I mean, he wants to show them how strong he is. He has now seen what the God of Israel can do. And so Pharaoh understands that this is not a God or a people to be messed around with. He gets 600 of his best chariots and then all the other chariots too. I mean, anything that a roll, I mean, he puts it out there. And all the charioteers and all of the horsemen, the cavalry, the army, the navy, the air force, the space force, little boys with squirt guns. I mean, Pharaoh brings it all. He brings it all. He wants to intimidate. He wants to neutralize. He wants to utilize the weapon of fear. So without firing any other kind of shot, he deploys a weapon of fear. They see him. They just see him come. They see the cloud of dust rolling toward them in the wilderness. They see him come, and they know him. This is Egypt. This is Pharaoh. He's had his foot on their necks in slavery for over 400 years, and they thought they were free, but now they realize he's back. He's back to drag them back into slavery. Do you understand? He deploys the weapon of fear, and he does it well. It's an amazing show of intimidation. So recognize Moses standing here before two million people saying, fear not. Understand, Moses is not at this point fighting Pharaoh. He's fighting the fear of Pharaoh. And the fear of Pharaoh turns out in some ways to be more of a threat than Pharaoh himself. Because it's the fear of Pharaoh that would make them turn around and go back to Pharaoh. It's devastating. This close, this close to freedom, this close to the promised land. They can smell deliverance, but fear, fear takes over. Now understand, God knows and, and Moses knows, we all know that, that fear is a response. It's that rush of adrenaline, that, that biological response that gets you ready either to, to, to fight or to flee. But, but, but fear makes you irrational. Fear makes you panic. And the scripture says they, they just panic. And so Moses, understand, he's not saying don't feel fear because it's too late for that. But what he's saying is you must not let the fear control you. You may feel fear, and you may feel fear right now in this moment of your lives, but you must not, you must not let the fear control you. Don't you understand what fear does? Don't you understand how stupid fear will make you? Don't you understand how fear will cause you, cause you to give up on the victory that God is laying, laying before you as a gift? Just stand back and watch, just stand back and receive it. But fear causes you to want to run, to want to flee, to want to fight. Fear makes you want to do something or else it paralyzes you to do nothing. Not even fighting Pharaoh, they're fighting the fear of Pharaoh. It turns out to be one of the enemy's deadliest weapons. 
Understand, fear will take you back into bondage. Fear will take you back into bondage. Here they stand, standing right here on the shoreline of the promised land. I mean, just right there. But, but all of a sudden, all they can think about is Egypt and, and what it was like back in Egypt. And were there not enough graves back in Egypt, they say. And it was better to be a slave in Egypt than to be staying here, you know, dead beside the Red Sea. I mean, do you understand how fear would cause them to walk right back into the situation that they were just begging God to be delivered from? See, my hunch is you do this. You do this. The Lord makes promises to you, promises to give you strength, promises to deliver you from the bondage that you've been, been enslaved under for so long. Here you are, I mean, just inches from sobriety, just inches from happiness, just inches from everything, everything you've always wanted. But understand, fear will make you turn right back around and walk back into the misery that you said you never wanted to live in. Fear will take you right back into bondage. Do you understand how the children of Israel are so ready just to turn around voluntarily and follow Pharaoh back into slavery? Fear will do that to you. It's not rational. But we'll do it nearly every time. Fear will take you right back into bondage. But because of this... Fear will make you forget who God is. Fear will make you forget what God has done. And fear will make you forget what God's going to do. In their whole calculus here, they have forgotten the God of the plagues. They have forgotten this God who can do impossible things. This God who can absolutely command creation. They've forgotten about him. At this point, all they can think about is, is death in the water or slavery under Pharaoh. And they're about to pick Pharaoh. They've forgotten God. They've lost focus. They've lost perspective. Fear will do that. Now, notice, because I love this. Get your Bible, and I want you to look at verse 13. Verse 13. Notice what Moses tells the people. The Egyptians you see today, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Let that sink in. We're talking about what you see, what you focus on. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Now go with me to the end of the story. Go with me to verse 30. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians. Do you understand? It has a whole lot to do with what you see. The Egyptians you see today, Moses says, you won't be looking at them tomorrow. They're going to be gone tomorrow. See, this is the kind of hope that somebody needs to speak into you right now. Because what you do is you're in the middle of an awful time. You're in the middle of, of the fight of your life, but what you do, you project that. You project that and you imagine that the unhappiness that you feel right now, you'll always be this unhappy. You'll never be happy again. Is that not what you tell yourself? Actually, is that not the lie the devil tells you? It'll never be any better. That's the lie he tells you. This problem is never going away. The, the misery, 
the hopelessness, the guilt, the bondage that you, that, that you suffer today, you're just going to suffer this forever. So might as well die and get it over with. I mean, this is how you think. This is how fear causes you to lose perspective. You take the hopelessness of today, you take the way you feel today, and then you somehow imagine that you'll never feel any different. This is the devil's lie. This is absolutely the devil's lie. And the reason he continues to use it on you is because it works every time. You refuse to hope. You refuse to take your eyes off of what the enemy is doing and focus your eyes on what God wants to do. Because God is going to crush your enemy. God is going to deliver you from your bondage. God is going to lift you out of your depression. God is going to do everything he's promised to do. Your problem is you just continue to say that what you see today is what you're going to be seeing from now on. Moses says, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Man, that, that's preaching right there. Moses is preaching to hearts that are, that are hopeless, and that's exactly how you got to preach to hopeless hearts. you got to make them understand that tomorrow is going to be very different from today. You just can't give up. You can't give up before God shows up. You can't give up before God does his thing. The Egyptians, the enemy, the misery you see today, it will not be a part of your tomorrow. Fear will make you forget who God is. Fear is going to make you forget what God's already done for you. And fear is going to make you give up on what he's going to do. See, this is how the enemy works. Just makes you give up. Just makes you give up with hopelessness. Of course Pharaoh and his army showed up. Of course they did. Haven't you seen this movie a thousand times? There's always one last stand. Enemy always comes back one more time and he comes back with a vengeance. He comes back ugly. He comes back bigger, meaner than ever. It's a show. It's intimidation. He's using the weapon of fear. You know, one more thing. Fear will turn us against one another. Man, fear just has a way of, of making you kind of think more about yourself. I mean, you know, every man for himself. I mean, that's how we are when we panic. Fear just has this way of making you very self-protective, very self-interested. And in that sort of mindset, it becomes very impossible for me to really care for you. Because I'm thinking mostly about myself. It makes it very difficult when you and I give in to fear, when we walk in fear, it makes it very difficult to walk alongside one another in such a way where we can get to where God's leading us. This is what's happening to the people of God. This is where you know they're coming apart. And you can tell by the way they talk. You can hear the fear in their mouths. You see, Moses says, everybody stand still. I'm telling you, there's nothing moving except their mouths. And that's why Moses follows that up in verse 14 with stay calm. The word he uses there is literally, you've got to be quiet. Stand still, be quiet. Because they're talking, understand, they're talking is making everything worse. Their talking makes everything worse. I mean, look at what they say. Are they even listening to themselves talk? What have you done to us? 
Were there not enough graves for us in Egypt? You understand what they're doing? They are already planning their funerals. They're, they're playing it all forward, and the movie ends horribly. Why did you make us leave Egypt? Make, did anybody make anybody leave? I believe they were crying out to go, you know, but now that's not the way they remember it. See, fear does that. It makes you project the misery of, of the moment all the way back into the past and all the way into the future. I've always been a loser. I'll always be a loser. You understand? That's what fear does. So now they project their, their anxiety, their fear, their misery all the way back into forever. Weren't we, didn't we rather, we would rather have stayed then. Didn't we beg you to leave us alone? Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Is it though? That's not at all the song I remember they were singing in chapter one and two crying out in slavery, but my, how they've forgotten all of that. You understand how they're talking? Can they not hear what they're saying? Do they not understand how illogical, how foolish the, their words are? Here's the, thing, here's the thing. You won't like where you end up if you talk yourself into walking in fear. And, and, and most of us, we talk ourselves into it. And what I mean by that is it's just the way you run your mouth. It's the way you talk. Do you even listen? I beg you, listen to the way you talk because God knows the rest of us have to hear you talk. I mean, just listen to yourself talk, even right now. I mean, yes, things are really, really difficult. These are really hard days. These are hard days for everybody. But, but some of you, you're, you talk yourself into making it so much worse. You, you, you talk yourself, and, and I'm telling you, you're not going to like where you end up if you talk yourself into walking in fear, and this is exactly what you do. I mean, this is not the, the kind of language that's going to help anybody. This is not going to lift up anybody. This doesn't give anybody the courage to stand, the courage to fight. This doesn't give hope to anybody. Can you just imagine what it is for some people to have to live on the other side of your mouth? So negative all the time, so full of worry, always complaining, always making it sound so much worse than it is. Because you do this to yourself. I mean, it comes out of you because it's in you. That anxiety, that fear, that worry, it's in you. I mean, the other day when somebody coughed on you at the dollar store and then eight hours later, you're laying in bed planning your funeral. Like you're, you're trying to plan what dress you want your husband to bury you in. I mean, you're doing like eight hours later. I mean, you're doing this to yourself. That fear just, just runs away with you. You're planning your funeral. You know, you're just laying there in bed, but you've got your husband already remarried and your kids growing up without a mama. I mean, this is how your brain works. This is how fear works. And then it comes out of your mouth. I mean, you continue just to complain and worry out loud and, and you sound like the Egyptians. Why in the world did God bring us this far just to let us all die of COVID-19? How long is this pandemic going to end? I'm just going to die if I can't eat at a restaurant soon. And isn't it just amazing how we all plan our funerals, how, how we think this is the worst thing ever? I mean, but honestly, as bad as it is, it's nowhere as bad as we make it sound. Listen to the way they talk and just imagine the effect of that on others. 
I mean, when this kind of complaining bug, I'm telling you, it's, it's extremely contagious and your mask won't help you. This kind of complaining bug just starts running through a group. And can you imagine now? I mean, it's going to take a miracle of God to get these people back, to, to get them back to where they can listen and back to where they can believe and back to where they can take the step of faith that will lead them to the promised land. I mean, this kind of worry, this kind of talk, you're not going to like where it will take you if you talk yourself into walking in fear. So God, uh, I love it, God steps in. God says to Moses, man, you know, just stop. Just stop. Tell the people to move forward. Tell them to move forward. Okay, if that weren't terrifying, that would be funny. They are standing on the shore, two million people. Most of them grew up in the desert. They've never even been to the wave pool. They've never been in a water slide. They've never jumped through a sprinkler. They can't swim, they can't tread water, they don't have floaties. And God says, move forward, walk. Well, there's a sea there. You understand how impossible that commandment is. And God says it just like this makes the most sense in the world. Would you just tell the people to move forward? <laughs> what in the world? Wow. I'm telling you this, when God says move forward, you just move forward. You just got to believe him. This is where faith kicks in. And, and I'm telling you, even though God is a great God and God is a good God and God will never leave you and God will never forsake you, God will sometimes scare you to death. And in those moments when, when, when he commands you to take a step and, and you lift your foot, but you don't really know if there's any solid ground on the other side of that, you understand? That's what they call the leap of faith. And in this particular moment, they are being asked to walk straight into what looks like to them a Red Sea. What's God going to do? God's going to do what God always does. And my brother Willie Ray says it this way. I wish he was here to say amen. God will make a way out of no way. Say amen, Willie Ray. I know he did. I know, I know he did. God will make a way out of no way. Do you see what that means? No way. It looks like no way to you. I mean, I love and I've underlined in my Bible every time it says, the Lord opened up a path through the water. Okay, who knew there could be a path through the water? I'm telling you, when you're standing there looking at the Red Sea, it looks like no way. No way. But God just loves to make a way out of no way. Right now, you think you are in a no way marriage. You think there's no way you can ever find happiness with that man again. There's been too much damage done. And I'm telling you, God will make a way out of your no way marriage. You better believe he can. God will make a way out of any of your no ways. You think there's no way that you can stay sober another week. And I'm telling you, God will make a way out of no way for you. He is going to deliver you. You just have to be faithful. When he says move forward, you just got to walk. Because do you see? If they don't move forward, and if they don't take that step into what looks like hopelessness, if they don't take that step into no way, they will never see what God can do. They will never even know that God can make a path through the sea. 
Because God doesn't make a path through the sea until you need a path through the sea. And you don't need a path through the sea until you are walking in obedience. So understand, God's power will come in response to your obedience. God will always supply everything you need to do everything he wants you to do. And he will always provide a way for you to go everywhere he wants you to go. So you just have to believe and you have to follow. And sometimes you just have to stand still. You just got to stand back. You just got to be quiet and you got to let God do what God's going to do. But when God says move forward, you better start walking. Because when you start walking, God begins to open a path for you. He'll open the path for you in response to your obedience. And the other thing is his rescue will arrive right on time. See, you want to stand back and you want the whole path opened up. You want to see from shore to shore. And you want like to send some kid out there first to make sure, you know, that, that he's not going to sink in the mud or that the waves aren't going to come crashing back in. You're not going to be the first one in, are you? Because you just want to make sure that walls of water are going to hold. I, I know how you are. I'm the same way. I want to see the whole path open up, but that's just not how it works. I mean, God will show up right on time, not early, not early enough for you, not early enough that, that you don't have to step out in faith, not early enough so that you don't have to pray hard. He will always deliver, always show up, always show his power in exactly the moment when you need it, not before, never late, right on time. So Moses said, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. That, that's a funny thing. At the beginning of this story, I, I really, like you, I, I really thought this was going to be about Pharaoh. I mean, this story, verse 5, you know, it really built up Pharaoh. I thought we was about to see a battle. Pharaoh came for a battle. He brought 600, 600 of his shiniest fastest turbo chariot with his best drivers. He brought every tank. He brought every kid with a water pistol. He brought all of his armies. I thought it was going to be a magnificent battle. Turns out all 600 of his best chariots and all the other chariots thrown in, they were not really very well suited for a water battle. So it turns out there's not much of a, a fight at all. The Egyptians try to run in fear because they recognize the Lord is fighting for them. The Lord is fighting for Israel. Israel's not fighting. I mean, the only thing that the Egyptians see of the Israelites are like their backsides going across the Red Sea. I mean, they're not coming at them fighting. There is no fight. The Lord does the fighting just like he promised he would. And those Egyptians that looked so intimidating, Pharaoh riding high in his chariot, coming back for one more last fight. Do you understand? That was the last time they saw him never seen again. So the children of Israel 
crossed over and stepped out on the other side. Their enemy crushed under the feet of Jesus to understand gone, never to be seen again. Victory, total deliverance. Pharaoh's never coming back. This story matters because God will do the same thing for you. This fight that you're fighting today, this enemy that you see today, he's not going to be with you forever. This, this struggle that you're going through, this, this crisis, this fear that, that seizes you, this worry, understand, it's not going to be a part of your tomorrow. God's going to give you victory. God is going to deliver you. The thing is, you just can't quit. You can't give up. You can't look at the enemies. He comes at you this one last time. I mean, he always looks most like he's going to win right before he loses. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot give away your victory. In this, in this last moment, right before total victory is yours, you cannot turn around. You cannot give up. Do you hear me? You cannot, cannot accept defeat when God promises you victory. The, the evil one will always, always, always look most like he's going to defeat you right before you defeat him. That's why I'm begging you. Don't you dare turn around. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare think for a moment that God's not going to keep his promise to you. He will make a way out of no way for you. But when he says move forward, you got to walk. Walk into freedom. Don't you turn back. Pray with me. God, I don't, I don't know, but I know I'm talking to people, Lord, right now who, who feel hopeless. Lord, they've been fighting this fight for a long, long time, and, and they've been listening to the enemy's lies for a long, long time. And even though they're lies, Lord, they operate in our lives, Lord, as if they're true because we believe the lies. God, I just pray that right now you, you, you will shake us fr from the foolishness of our fear. Lord, help us to see how very close we are to receiving all of the victory, all of the freedom, all of the grace, all of the promises, Lord, that you have given us. Lord, I pray that you will just deliver the men, Lord, the women, the boys and the girls, Lord, in the sound of my voice, who are so afraid, Lord, that, that tomorrow is going to look just like today, Lord, that next week can never get any better, Lord. Help us never, ever, Lord, to forget who you are and what you've done and what you've promised yet to do. Oh, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, just give us the strength today to stand still, to be quiet, and to wait for the deliverance and the freedom and the salvation and the strength that you have promised us. Lord, there are those who are just about to give up, just about to quit.
Lord Jesus, don't let them. Give us, Lord, new strength, new hope, new faith, and love for one another, Lord, so that we can cross over to the place you have for us, so we can go together. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, but for our own sakes. Amen.